And it's because they're pursuing this me-centered focus. And Mother's Life, through this book, I think, again, just refocuses us, rechallenges us. And maybe you're feeling a little bit lost right now and that the thing to do is to go before Jesus on the cross and to ask him, what is your prayer for me to quench your thirst? Welcome to the Breakthrough of Grace podcast, a place where we share the stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. We invite you to join us as our speakers talk about their journey towards living lives of rich Christian authenticity to encourage and inspire each one of us. We are thankful you're here and taking this time to spend with us. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Friends, welcome. This episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast features reflections gathered and curated by Mark Calpagian. Mark's talk is inspired by the life, the example, and the witness of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and in particular, by the recently published collection of stories and accounts from her life in the book, To Love and Be Loved by Jim Toohey. We venerate St. Mother Teresa as a saint, and rightfully so. Jim's book and Mark's reflections on both it and on Mother Teresa's impact on his own life give us insight into what were the key attributes which caused St. Mother Teresa's life to be holy, and in particular, to be holy in the less obvious ways. This talk was recorded at John Paul the Great Catholic University in Southern California with a small prayer group. We pray that it blesses you as much as it did us. Beautiful. Good morning, everyone. Uh, the title of our short little talk is Putting the Wisdom of Mother Teresa into Practice. For years, Mother Teresa has beguiled me. How could this little poor nun transform the world and become a superstar? How is that possible? As a young man, I always looked at her life as the incarnation of the Beatitudes. You read the Beatitudes and you come away thinking, this is practically impossible. But then you, you see Mother Teresa from a distance and as you, maybe as you walk up closer, she begins to show you that 
not only is it not impossible, but it's attractive, it's beautiful, and it's dynamic, even if we don't fully achieve perfection. My wife gave me Jim Toohey's new book on Mother Teresa, To Love and Be Loved is the title of it. Jim is, was Mother Teresa's personal attorney for 12 years, and he felt this calling of the Holy Spirit to record his experience with Mother Up Close and to share some stories that were typically outside the public domain. So I captured five little nuggets from his book that inspired me to share with our audience today. And it's really about, the author Jim says, is accentuating mother's humanness, the beauty of her humanity in stories that were typically, you know, hidden. Each of these little points are not meant to take us away from the world, but to draw us in and call us forth in our humanness. The first point is to discover the thirst of Christ. He talks about that transformative experience in mother's life on that train to Darjeeling, where she had some sort of mystical experience of Christ on the cross, and he said to her, I thirst. This was the call that she took to leave her former way of life, her former monastic community, and to go forth on a new mission. In the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, whenever you have an experience of God, it's never meant for your personal benefit. Every character, regardless of what book or which part of biblical history, every experience of God calls us on mission. And you see this in Mother Teresa's life, this profound, beautiful, intense, mystical experience sent her on mission. For her, it was to quench the thirst of Christ in the poorest of the poor. How beautiful. But each one of us is given that same mission. How are you, Joe, and you, Simon, and you, Ken, going to quench the thirst of Christ in the ordinary and extraordinary moments of daily life? How am I, Mark, in my ordinary life in Southern California, called to quench the thirst of Christ? It could be that widow next door that needs something. It could be the family member that's struggling. It could be the colleague at work who needs a loving glance or a pat of thanks. It could be a million different ways changing a diaper. But each one of us is called to find and discover that thirst. God is thirsting, and he's thirsting to use you and me as part of that mission. Mother was sometimes criticized by the new atheists and others. Well, you know, she preaches poverty, but she's over in the White House and she rides first class and she lives high. And, you know, and mother's response was, if Jesus calls you to the palace, be all for Jesus in the palace. And if he takes your life and cuts it up into 20 pieces, all of those pieces are his. And so in today's world, right, it's all about me, myself, and I. It's what I want and my plans. And what Mother Teresa's life challenged us is your life is not about you predominantly. It's about how you're called to serve and slack and satiate that deep thirst of Christ. So that's point number one. 
as you go through life, mother challenges us to find that thirst and to reorient our subjectivity, to reorient our life towards that peace. Our children are lost. Our, you know, our communities are, are gone astray. They're ungrounded. And it's because they're pursuing this me-centered focus. And Mother's Life, through this book, I think, again, just refocuses us, rechallenges us. And maybe you're feeling a little bit lost right now and that the thing to do is to go before Jesus on the cross and to ask him, what is your prayer for me to quench your thirst? Switching gears a little bit, I really was struck by Mother's routine. And this comes to our second point about scheduling your priorities. I'm going to read you a little bit about what her routine looked like. 4.40 in the morning, all the sisters rose to begin their work. So 4.40, 5 a.m. was morning prayer, then household chores, mass, breakfast, missionary assignments. That lasted for a few hours. And then midday was more prayer, lunch. A 30-minute siesta, believe it or not, more prayer, and then tea time. After that, another hour of prayer and spiritual reading. Afternoon, working with the needy. Hour of adoration. Dinner was at 7.30, followed by a few more household chores, bathing, 30 minutes of recreation, and preparing for the next day's work. Lights out and off to bed. So you read something like that, and it kind of reminded me of, you know, St. Benedict's rule. And each great people, people who do great things or people who God accomplishes great things through them, often have a routine that helps them in, our, in their humanity to become the best version of themselves. Mother would say, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. She would tell the lay people. Another quote from the book that I thought was kind of just for me challenging is she said, I want and I want you to go to bed exhausted, exhausted from service, exhausted from finding your, your mission and slacking the thirst of Christ. I've got young children and this is like a common theme. It's like your schedule is leading you to laziness. <laughs> you want to exercise, put it in your schedule. You want to find time for prayer. You got to schedule it. You want to find time to call that relative who needs to hear from you, put it in your schedule. The practical wisdom going back to the theme of the talk is to examine your schedule, reorganize your schedule, schedule your priorities. My father used to say, and it kind of aligns right in with Mother Teresa, a person does not need more time to do the essential things, but a greater desire to do first things first. And so I'll just leave that there for you to look at your schedule. Every year life changes and that causes me or requires me to change my schedule. And what I've found when I've you know examined things is that Often what's happened is I'm still living in my schedule from three years ago and my life has changed and I need to really shift things up. The third piece of wisdom from 
Mother Teresa that really calls us forth is her humility. What was her recipe for humility? Her challenge to those in her care. I'm going to read you a little bit of what Mother used to say. How does one become humble? To speak as little as possible of oneself. But I like to talk about myself. It's interesting. I've, I've got things to share and things to say. To mind one's own business. Easily said, hard to do. Not to want to manage other people's affairs. To avoid curiosity. Ooh, but curiosity is lovely. It's juicy. To accept contradictions and correction carefully and cheerfully. To accept that. To pass over the mistakes of others. To accept insult and injury. To accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked. To be kind and gentle under provocation. And for anyone who has teenagers, I'm going to repeat that one again. <laughs> to be kind and gentle, even under provocation. Never to stand on one's dignity. Even if you're right, my dad would say, you know, learn to please one another. Even if you're right. Never to stand on one's dignity. And then last but not least, to choose always the hardest. When the, the author said he visited Mother Teresa's room, it was in the worst place. It was in, like above the boiler, so it was the hottest room. And I think maybe that's why she always beguiles me. Well, I don't want the worst room. I don't want to be in the, the hottest place. I'd like a nice location. I'd like you know a good room with a good view. I'd like beautiful things. Humility is something that every single one of us need to work on. We need to get better at. You know, in a way, I heard one of a business leader say, he said, we're all egomaniacs. If you're not willing to reckon with it, you're lying in some sense. Humus, humility, humus, being close to the ground, just being grounded in reality, not taking yourself too seriously. And what's the other side of humility? Here's my fourth point. To embrace and elevate the human touch. That's the fourth piece of wisdom. Mother said that the West has forgotten how to smile. Forgotten the beauty of the human touch. Mother Teresa opened more homes in the United States and in any other country outside of India, right? the United States, because she thought, Spiritual poverty here was the worst. Loneliness, being rejected, is the worst disease. For mother, the primacy of the need to love and be loved, one person at a time. You know, again, who in your work, who in your family, who in your extended family, who in your community can you reach out to in love and kindness? Mother used to say that while we have bread in America, people are hungering for the bread of friendship, thirsting for acceptance and tolerance. She reminded us that they need somebody who will understand and respect them. And having worked in education the past 20 years, I can tell you that is absolutely true. <laughs> 
even though they look like, you know, they're well put together, they've got their material needs set, they, everything is good. Inside, they're hungering. Mother would say they're longing to be clothed in the God-given dignity that they were promised. Right? Often when you see people lashing out, what they're really crying for is that dignity. Mother say, also said that joy is the net by which we catch souls. She'd tell her postulants, those who are interested in joining her order, if you can't be cheerful with the poor, then go home now. For me, that's, a, that's an interview question in all of my <laughs> interviews now. If you can't be cheerful with fill in the blank, with students, with colleagues, with the community, with angry parents, go home now. So mother calls us again, not to erudite wisdom and specialized you know, recipes for, for this secret little sauce here. No, it's practical wisdom, humility, thirst for Jesus. How am I going to slack that thirst? Creating a schedule that allows God to use all of you, embracing joy, love, smiling, little things that change the world. The fifth piece of wisdom, learn to pray the work. Now, what does that mean? Let's step back just a little bit and see what she was able to accomplish. The author Jim Tui says that the aspect of mother as entrepreneur or the motif is one aspect of her genius that is usually overlooked. By the time of her death, she had, so remember she started, she left that order when she felt that call and on that train and she went off on her own no money and nothing so she started with absolutely nothing by the time of her death she had 3842 sisters 363 brothers and 13 fathers or priests operating more than 650 soup kitchens health clinics leprosy centers and shelters for the poor and sick in 120 countries at no charge for those served and with no government funds. I mean, it's breathtaking at what was able to be accomplished through her vision, through God's providence, obviously. But when you want to like, well, what are some things that cause that? incredible amount of success that we might be able to learn from. How was she able to do that? For her, it was learn to pray the work. Total surrender to God versus conditional surrender. Mother made a vow to God to, quote, not refuse him anything. Not refuse him anything. Unconditional God, my life is yours. I will be led by you. Funny little thing, mother would waste nothing. She used to say, even the little thing, if the, we're serving the poorest of the poor, then we can use everything for his kingdom. Often she was criticized. She built up a little nest egg from people's gifts and was like, why aren't you spending this? And why aren't you... Just giving it all away right away. But looking back, 
They say that the funds raised during her lifetime still, even today, subsidize the worldwide work of the charitable programs she built. So she wasted nothing. I tell the, even tell my own kids, if you just learn not to waste, <laughs> you'll want for nothing. She was a woman of action. She was famously impatient, even stubborn. You don't know what to do. Better to do something than nothing. If her prayers were not answered, she would say, well, we don't want to go faster than Jesus now, do we? Or if Jesus doesn't want it, then we don't want it. So it wasn't all about the success. It was really she was oriented completely towards God. And in that all in, God, I'm all yours, God then moved in and caused the great success story that I repeated earlier. It's very similar to, I think, Mother Angelica and the building of, of her work. Very similar stories. Mercy was her greatest trait, it was often said. It was the salt that flavored her work. She told her sisters, I prefer you to make mistakes in kindness than you work miracles in unkindness. So mercy. Mercy was part of her success. That salt. Part of the book that I was really interested in is he explained how she formed some very unlikely partnerships to advance the work of God. In particular, how she formed a partnership with First Lady Hillary Clinton. She wrote in a letter to Hillary, I pray that together we do something beautiful for God. And although they differed on abortion, they found common ground on adoption. Hillary said to mother, I get a lot of hate mail from Christians. I never understood why mother loved me so much. Mother never stopped seeing the face of God right? in the poorest of the poor, but even in a way, those in the richest countries in the palace who hadn't fully embraced God's vision. And she just never stopped that smile, that love, that joy, that openness, that care. They actually did establish that house for adoption outside of D.C. It's still running. For It's for unwanted children. So unmistakable, unlikely partnerships, totally part of her mission. Another story was she went to go meet with Castro in Cuba about bringing the missionaries of charity to that communist regime. Castro told her, well, we have no poor people in Cuba. Mother wisely responded, well, then there must be some elderly residents whom the sisters could visit. She'd always find a way to work with, you know, <laughs> communist dictators, American politicians who didn't agree with her, people in India of Christian faith, of no faith, you know, of the Hindu faith. And so when I come back and I look at, you know, Mother Teresa's life, it's often like a I've heard it said that reading G.K. Chesterton or encountering G.K. Chesterton is like opening a bottle of champagne. For me, that's Mother Teresa, the sparkles, the effervescence. It, it always is lively and joyful and, and fun and life-giving. So the putting the wisdom, putting the practical wisdom of Mother Teresa in our everyday lives, I come back to those five pieces. 
how am I today, Mark, encountering the thirst of Christ? How am I opening myself up to give more and to serve more for what God has called me to do in that mission? How do I need to reschedule my priorities to accomplish that mission even better? Lord, what, what do I need to prune from those priorities? What do I need to do more of? If you don't have time to pray, you don't, <laughs> your, your, your schedule's off. So that is the essential component. But my priorities, what are you, what are you doing about it? The third thing, humility. Lord, how can I have less of me and more of you? Coming back to some of her points, right? To be kind and gentle, even under provocation. To avoid curiosity. To choose always the hardest. To embrace the human touch. More joy, more smiles, more concern for people's hearts. You don't need money for that. You don't need power, prestige. Each one of us can do that. And then to learn to pray the work, to be open to God's doing marvelous things through your little pennies, your little acts of love each day. You'll find that as you and me imitate Mother Teresa and walk in her footsteps, we'll begin to smile like Mother. We'll begin to have that infectious joy like Mother. We'll begin to form those unlikely partnerships that come our way. We'll begin to be people of action. We will waste nothing. We will begin to totally surrender our lives. And at the end of the day, God will do great things through our little acts. Thank you, friends, for joining us. Before we return to the pace and to the cadence of our busy day, I encourage you to pause. What of Mark's talk stood out to you? What is stirring in your soul or remaining with you to think and to pray about? Invite the Holy Spirit in there. Friends, we are a small apostolate seeking to capture stories of ordinary lives transformed by God's extraordinary graces. If you enjoyed this reflection, could you please give it a recommendation? Simply share it with two friends. We are trying to get the word out, and these small acts of recommendation go a tremendous way in helping us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. Feel free to check the show notes for discussion questions and thoughts for further reflection. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Breakthrough of Grace podcast. We're a small word of mouth movement. Can we ask you to share it with a friend? Please see our show notes and website for discussion questions and other resources. Until next time, may God bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.